Amen. That was great. Let's take our Bibles now and open to the book of Revelation. You know, on Wednesday nights, I am so excited that we can take the book of God and start studying about this subject of the tribulation and the coming Antichrist and things like that. I think that it's good for the Christian faith. I think it helps put our eyes upon Jesus where our eyes belong. I'm so happy that we have the Word of God and that we can look at this subject. And now I invite you please to bow your head for a word of prayer before we begin our study. Our Father, we thank you so very much that in Christ we're on the winning side. The events that will transpire upon the earth will not be here for. We can look through the tunnel of time through the scriptures and see what will be coming. Lord, as we see these things, help us to prepare our hearts for your coming. And we pray that you'd help us to live for you every day. I pray for everyone who's tuned in and watching the Bible study. I pray also for those who will watch the Bible study at a later time. Father God, bless each and every one. Help us now in our study. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you will remember, last week we talked about the Antichrist and uh, this beast who comes. His, his first coming really is more pictured as this, this shining uh, knight on a white horse uh, in Revelation chapter 6. And we looked at him in his first coming, the first half, and he was more of that uh, smooth talker. Well, now the game's changed. He's been killed and he's been brought back to life and he is an absolutely different creature at this point now i want to point out once again folks that there are many things in the book of revelation that are written with a jewish audience in mind the tribulation is known in the old testament as the time of jacob's trouble now most of the symbols in revelation are found and explained in the old testament the people who become believers during the tribulation period will be the ones who understand these things, how they fit together more than us, because they'll be right in it. They'll be living it. They'll, they'll know who the Antichrist is. They'll know where he comes from and what he's up to. And so we can do all of the speculation we want about the Antichrist and who he is and all about him and how he parts his hair and what kind of clothes he'll wear. We can speculate all day long. But the bottom line, folks, let's be honest. We just don't know for sure. We cannot be dogmatic on some of these things because the Bible doesn't give us that much detail. During the Second World War, as uh, uh, Adolf Hitler came, rose to power uh, there in the 1930s and then brought about the Second World War, many people looked at him and thought, this must be the Antichrist. This man comes as a, a smooth talker, and boy, his uh, true colors came to the surface later on. How he hated the Jews and wanted to destroy them in his concentration camps. I do believe that Adolf Hitler was an illustration of the coming Antichrist, but Adolf Hitler himself was not the Antichrist as we understand it here. So I'd like to look at the, the Antichrist and I've divided tonight's little Bible study into three parts. Part number one, the methods, the methods of the Antichrist, the methods of the Antichrist. 
Now, the Antichrist will come to the world, world prominent scene, at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. Listen to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Now, we've studied this. One week means seven years. And here's the Antichrist confirming a covenant, a peace treaty. Listen to this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Most conservative scholars believe the Holy Spirit indwells believers. Believers are the salt of the earth. And God is using us to help hold back wickedness. When the rapture happens and Christians who are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, are suddenly removed from the earth. That's when there's a window of opportunity and the Antichrist will be revealed at that time. Now, the Antichrist will be in place of Christ. You have to understand the prefix anti has two meanings to it. And the first of those two meanings is in place of. I believe as we look around, we can find many little antichrists in the world today. They are preparing the world for the coming of the antichrist. Listen to this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that antichrist shall come, even now are there many antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that they were not all of us. Now someone might say, Pastor, that's 2,000 years old. What does this mean that it's the last time? These last 2,000 years, in the sight of God, it's one time. These, this is, these are the last days. It's the last time. And this is how we know. Because we see these ones rising to prominence. And they're coming in place of Christ. And they've been around for 2,000 years. And we see them all around us today. I don't know if there's more today than there were back then. There probably, there probably are. Because simply by virtue of the fact the earth's population has grown into to 7.7 billion now compared to what it was 2,000 years ago. There are many more antichrists. These people who come in and try to take the place of Jesus Christ. I believe that before the antichrist, the antichrist emerges on this world scene for the tribulation, the world must find itself in chaos. It must be in a place where it's crying out for a world leader such as what the Antichrist will be. We look around us today and we find terrorism. We find financial meltdown. We find the threats of atomic war. Nation rising against nation. We're finding uh, diseases like perhaps we've never seen before. This current pandemic has the world in its grips earthquakes, how the weather is changing, and so on and so forth. The world is more and more coming into chaos and turmoil and men's hearts failing them for fear. And I believe that all of this 
has to come to pass in order for Antichrist to be revealed. Revelation chapter 6, this rider on a white horse represents the Antichrist's ways of peace. We're talking the methods of the Antichrist here in point one. And he will come with peace on his lips. He'll be a man that tries to bring peace to the world. Listen to this in Daniel chapter 8, verse 25. Speaking of the the Antichrist, it says, And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. And he shall magnify himself in his heart. And by peace shall destroy many. Very curious words concerning the Antichrist. Wouldn't you agree? Look, the word peace is mentioned there. He's going to have uh, peace on his lips. He'll come as if he is a man of peace. It says also that craft shall prosper. Somehow this man will be involved with the economics of the world and will help the, the world in its economy. Listen to this. In Ezekiel chapter 28, Now, I'll only summarize it, but verses 1 to 10 refer to the prince of Tyrus. This, most conservative Bible scholars believe, is the Antichrist in the first half of the tribulation. Then the next several verses, Ezekiel 28, 11 to 19, refer to the king of Tyrus. And again, Bible scholars would identify that as Satan himself. Satan is the king. The Antichrist is the prince. Now when the Antichrist first comes, he will be the diplomat type. He'll be this man of peace. He'll definitely be in place of Jesus Christ. Because I'm telling you tonight, there is only one prince of peace. And his name is, that's right, Jesus. His name is Jesus. But something interesting about the Antichrist is that he'll be very clever. Very clever indeed. It says in the scriptures that his wisdom will be greater than that of the prophet Daniel. In Ezekiel 28.3, listen. It says, Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. Again, the context, as I mentioned earlier, Ezekiel 28. Verses 1 to 10 refer to that prince of Tyrus, the Antichrist, in his first half of his tribulation. And here in verse 3, thou art wiser than Daniel. So he's a very clever man, very smart man. A man who knows how to bring factioning parties together. A man who can kind of work miracles, if you will, with diplomacy and and with politics and with, with economy. Now, this coming Antichrist will establish a seven-year peace treaty with Israel and all of her enemies. Listen, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27 says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. There's the seven-year peace treaty that he will make with Israel. He'll somehow allow Israel to rebuild the temple. Currently. The Jewish people of Israel believe that the Messiah is the man who will help them to rebuild the temple. 
There's tremendous efforts going on right now for the Jews to rebuild their temple. They've got all of the building materials and the plans. They've got the Levitical priests all trained and everything. They've got everything they need. They just need the green light, the go-ahead. That's what they're waiting on. And they're looking for a Messiah. But to many of the Jews, the Messiah is a man who will open the door, unlock the lock, who will allow them to be able to build the temple. That's what they're looking for. And here comes the Antichrist. And he confirms his peace treaty, his covenant, for one week, one one period of time, one period of sevens, seven years. And he will somehow allow them to rebuild their temple. And when he does, they'll say, this must be the Messiah. You see? Antichrist in place of Christ, in place of Messiah. This must be our Messiah. And they'll hail him. Antichrist will believe actually that he is better than Messiah Jesus. And he will think that he is God. Now remember, there are two meanings to anti, the prefix anti. The first one we've dealt with, in place of. The second one perhaps we're more familiar with, against. Against. Not only will Antichrist come in place of of the real Christ, but he's also against the real Christ. That's also what makes him Antichrist. And come the last half of this tribulation, this Antichrist will not only be in place of Jesus Christ, but he will definitely be against Jesus Christ. Now remember, we made mention of this last week, that in the last half of the tribulation, Satan no longer needs a diplomatic Antichrist, but he needs a destroyer Antichrist. And so at the midway point of the seven years, the Antichrist is killed. Somehow a bullet finds his brain, or as the Bible says, he's killed with a a sword or something. But he's killed at the midway point of the tribulation. And this is Satan's opportunity now to energize him with a demon. I believe that whoever the real Antichrist is, the Antichrist, he's a real human being with a real human soul and a real human body, and he'll come to power. And for the first three and a half years, he'll be the diplomatic type, but he'll be killed. And that man, his soul, will go to hell. And up from the bottomless pit will come a demon and overtake the body. This is my belief. This is my take on it. I've studied it for decades. And I've looked at all of the different thoughts and ideas. Everything new I could find I've read and studied. This is how I understand it. This is the only reasonable, logical explanation that I can find for the tremendous change and also what happens in the end. Well, we'll get to that later as we're preaching through Revelation. But that's another powerful reason why I think that this Antichrist here is is demon-possessed. Absolutely, there's something demonic inside of him. All right. Now, in Revelation chapter 13, verses 1 to 3, we have here now the militancy of the Antichrist. We had the methods of the Antichrist. 
Now we have the militancy of the Antichrist. Remember, please, also that this chapter, along with chapter 12, uh, 14 and 15 to verse 4, it's all parenthetical. It's parenthetical. The tour bus guide has pulled the bus over, turned around, and is explaining several things to us. And this is something that we need ex explanation on. And so here in chapter 13, look at it, verse 1, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven horns and ten seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. John sees the Antichrist as a monstrous beast, nothing like the diplomat of chapter 6. The Antichrist back then did not have the crushing, killing, overcoming power that this one does. Really scary. Look at verse 2. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the, and the dragon gave him his power, and his seat, and great authority. Now we studied some of these things last week. If you weren't here with us, please go back and review last week's video. And learn about some of these things. These, this beast, it's got no name other than Antichrist. Because there's no beast in the world that currently looks like this. I mean, a leopard looks like a leopard and a bear looks like a bear. But when you stick a leopard and a bear and a lion all together, what have you got? Well, you've got the Antichrist is what you've got. And so he's got power. Power. What does he use the power for? He uses the power to make war. Look at verse 4. And they worshiped the, the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war against him? This beast. This second half of the tribulation. This second half of the Antichrist. Has great power to make war. Listen, Daniel chapter 11 verse 31. And arms shall stand on his part. That means tremendous war machinery and power to make war. They'll be his. They'll stand with him. Now, not only does the Antichrist have power, but also he has a seat in verse 2. We saw that. Now, this is an actual physical city. If well, well, we'll get to that in chapter 16. But the Antichrist will enter the temple in Jerusalem and will sit in the Holy of Holies. This temple that he's allowed the Jews to rebuild, the Holy of Holies, into which only the high priest could enter once a year, and even that for a few moments, to sprinkle the blood. The Antichrist will enter in and he'll sit there. Listen to the scriptures. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. Speaking of the Antichrist. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worship. So that he as God sitteth in the temple of God. Showing himself that he is God. Listen to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. 
and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Listen, Daniel chapter 11, verse 31, and arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. Listen, Daniel chapter 12, verse 11. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand and two hundred and ninety days. Now we go to Luke chapter 21 verse 20. Listen, Jesus speaking. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation is nigh. It's a reference back to Daniel chapter 12 and verse 11. Listen, Mark chapter 13, verse 14. But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand. Let him, let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. We have the power of the Antichrist. We have the seat of the Antichrist. And he's going to, to, to go right in and sit in the temple. We have the authority of the Antichrist. And he's given authority in verse 2 to impose his will and impose his authority. And listen, to impose his mark, the mark of the beast, upon people. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. Listen, Daniel 11 verse 36. And the king shall do according to his will. And he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished, for that that is determined shall be done. And, verse 37, Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. We see the militancy of the Antichrist. Before that, we saw the methods of the Antichrist. Now the militancy of the Antichrist. Finally, and we finish with this, the mouth of the Antichrist. The mouth of the Antichrist. Look please at verse 5, chapter 13 of Revelation. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. That's till the end of the tribulation. Listen. He is given a mouth by which he blasphemes God. Now the Antichrist didn't have a mouth like this before. When he came as that knight on the white horse, yes, he had a mouth. And he spoke amazing things. And he had great wisdom, greater than Daniel. But now, his mouth is absolutely, incredibly enlarged. And he is now speaking the most vile of blasphemies against Almighty God. He didn't do that before. He was more of the, the people's man. But now he's his own man. Why is this mentioned? Why is this mentioned here in Scripture that he's given a mouth speaking these great, amazing things? Because he wasn't given this before. 
Now he begins a worldwide, constant, vicious, verbal attack on God. Look at what a mouth can do. Incredible destruction. The power of the tongue, beloved, is something we have to be careful of. Listen, 1 John chapter 2, verse 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. You see? This is part of what Antichrist will be doing. Being denying the Father and denying the Son. I want to ask you, as we close tonight, do you have a godly mouth? This Antichrist has got an incredibly wicked mouth. How is your mouth? What sort of things come out of your mouth? You know, the book of James tells us that a fountain cannot bring forth bitter and sweet water at the same time. How is your mouth, beloved? Some people who claim to be Christians open their mouth and utter questionable things. I'm asking, do you have a godly mouth? Is your mouth like Jesus' mouth? In 1 John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have committed, continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Now that's sad, but it's true and it still happens today in churches. We've seen it happen in our own church. But I'm asking you, beloved, when you open your mouth, do you bless people or do you curse them? Out of your mouth, do the springs of living water flow or some sort of bitter, cursed waters that cause strife and division? How about with your loved ones? Husbands and wives, parents and children, children toward their parents. How are your words, beloved? Be Oh, be so careful of your words. You know, the Lord Jesus told us, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Can others around you live by your words? Are you feeding them with your words? Or are you tearing them down? You say things behind their back and put the knife in them? How are your words, beloved? Because God will hold us responsible for our words. Oh, listen, I hope that the study on on this Antichrist has been an encouragement to you. I hope and pray that you're lifting your eyes more and looking for the coming of Jesus. What a glorious thing it is to be together like this and have a Bible study. But it would be useless if it doesn't change our lives. My hope and prayer is that our Bible study tonight will make you more like Jesus. 